I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dr. Michael Osterholm returns here. Longtime guest of this show. Uh, So well-respected across the globe. So many responsibilities, including director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the U of M. Mike is with us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Always a pleasure, sir. This is one of the biggest stories of the day, which is why we reach out to you. I'll read from an AP story. The House voted unanimously earlier today to declassify U.S. intelligence information about the origins of COVID-19. This vote, by the way, unanimous. 419 to 0 approval of the bill, sending it to the president's desk. There are a lot of people who are reacting to this, Mike, and saying, good, we want to know, we should have been informed sooner. As someone who has been in the middle of this uh, with your group, trying to study it, trying to understand it, coming on here and so many other platforms and trying to provide information, what is your reaction to this vote in the House today? Well, actually, I'm, I'm glad it's happened. I hope that there is a full airing of all the information we have. But again, I come back to a, a position that I've maintained really since the beginning of the pandemic, is that uh, like so many cold criminal cases that are decades old, where there's just not sufficient information to say with certainty that this is what who did it or why, how did it happen, I think this is the same situation here. And I'm not apologizing at all for China. We know that China has not been truthful on many issues. But there just isn't sufficient evidence to say that it was a lab leak or that it was a spillover. I've been agnostic on that. I think that both are still very, very much in play. I think the data that we do have actually more strongly supports the fact that it's a spillover from the animals in the actual market area. But I worry that we're spending all this time debating this, for which we likely will never have a conclusive answer. Those who think they have an answer, that's the answer they're going to have for the rest of their lives, likely, regardless of which one it is. For me, I keep coming back to the fact that we're not done dealing with these germs. And we need to be prepared for both a laboratory leak possibility or even a man-made virus, which in this case we have no evidence that this is a man-made virus, as well as the fact we have to be prepared for more spillovers. I mean, just look at it in the last four months. We've had Ebola outbreaks in Africa. We've had Marburg outbreaks that have been spillover from animals to humans. 
And so I just want to have us keep our eye on the ball. What's really important It's protecting us for the future. Assume both lab leaks and spillovers are realities. Okay. So on that last point and using your own words, because I think that's so important for protecting protecting us for the future. Would it help us a great deal, a little, or not that much if we did find out the definitive answer? You know, it's not going to make much of a difference. And, you know, let me just give you an analogy, I think, that fits into what we're up against with China. I've already said clearly we know they're not truthful on a number of issues. But if they were, how might the same situation play out if a new virus emerged in the Caribbean? deadly, highly infectious, where do you think we'd pick it up first? We'd probably pick it up in Atlanta because it's the air hub for the Caribbean. And it's where we also have laboratory capacity to pick up the new virus. Well, as soon as that virus was found in Atlanta, I can guarantee you that the world would say it was a lab leak from the CDC. And the Russians and the Chinese would immediately want access to our labs to confirm what's going on here, what happened. And we'd say no. You know, I think we have some of that same thing happening now with the Wuhan labs, where they're saying no, which is unfortunate. Uh, But even if they did say yes, and then we didn't find any smoking guns there, would people still believe it? They would say, well, they lied. They they doctored data, whatever. So to me, we're going to continue to burn a lot of energy on these issues. And as you know, because you and I have discussed this in the past, you know, I was on the National Science Advisory Board from 2005 when it was first created until 2014. This was the group brought together to have oversight of this dangerous research that might be done in laboratories that could leak out. And I was very outspoken in 2012 about influenza research that was being done that I felt was not safe in terms of trying to pass it in mammals, i.e. ferrets, to make it so it would possibly transmit in humans with the idea that when we'd study it and say, well, then we'd know that we're about to have a human pandemic. And I said, no, that's dangerous, okay? So I've all along been concerned about laboratory leaks, and so I, I surely would accept that. But I've also seen the spillovers. I've worked on SARS in, in China and in, in Southeast Asia. I've worked on MERS in the Middle East. And I've seen what spillovers, when they meaning that it goes from an animal to a human, looks like. And, you know, the data surely can support that that's the case here, too. So rather than keep getting focused on that, and burning lots of energy and lots of anger, let's just assume both of them happened. And then plan accordingly for how we're going to address these to, one, minimize the risk of both of them happening. But if they do happen, how are we going to respond? Okay, on some of the anger, you have a significant portion of the population, and some of this, some of this uh, group never wanted to accept any of COVID. But others have been a little bit more open-minded, but are still believe that Dr. Fauci, in the position he had, was pushing back against the lab leak. And they believe he wasn't open-minded enough to that side of the story. As someone you've known for a long time, as someone who you believe has a great deal of credibility, when you hear that argument, what do you say? You know, I will just say again, and I've already qualified it multiple times, I'm agnostic on which one it was, and I was from the beginning. But I also was willing to accept the fact we had to entertain the possibility it could be a lab leak. 
And that's exactly what I saw from Tony. You know, I've, I've, can go back and look at each of those meetings that took place and people I have great respect for who are outside of the NIH. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that they too said, we have to look at the lab leak. And then after they looked at additional information, there was a, a, a part of the virus that looked like it had been man-made at one point only to find out, oh no, it really hadn't been. We do see that kind of virus in bats. And so people who initially said, ah, oh, this might be a man-made virus, ultimately changed their tune, not because of pressure, but because of what new information and scientific-based information we had. So I never saw that in Tony. You know, Tony was pursuing what could it be, and it was never that he ruled out lab leaks. And, in fact, if you look at his testimony and in the Senate hearings, he said that time and time again. And I, I think what happens is we have a narrative here the people just repeat it enough times, it becomes true. And, you know, I didn't see that there. I'm sure that there are those who absolutely were convinced it wasn't a lab leak right from the start, and those people couldn't be counted on to be objective, or those who said it's automatically just a spillover, again, couldn't be objective. But if the two published papers that are by far the most definitive reviews of this situation, both published in very credible science journal, Science Magazine, actually are quite detailed analysis supporting the fact that it could have been the Wuhan market where this happened with the spillover from the animals. So I, I just want to come back and say, this is one we're never going to solve. We're just not going to. And that doesn't mean I don't want to. I don't, doesn't mean that I wish we couldn't. But I think at this point, we just have to say, please, concentrate on what's important. This is about our kids and our grandkids. This is about our neighbors and our families. What are we doing to protect ourselves from the future? You know, I've said this to you before in this here. I mean, this pandemic has been horrible, but it's killed less than 1% of the people who have been infected by the virus. Now, that doesn't minimize all those deaths, but think about if this were SARS or MERS, two other coronaviruses that are not nearly as infectious as this one is. But if they were to match up with the infectiousness of this virus and have the 15 to 35% kill rate that basically we see with them, imagine what the future could look like. That's what we have to get ready for. And that's what I hope we can keep our attention to. And it should be a bipartisan, non-political issue. It's us versus the bugs. And that's what I think we have to keep focused on. So let's look in perspective here. Tomorrow, as you know, is three years to the day after the World Health Organization declared this a global pandemic tied to COVID. We started talking, I don't remember if it was December or January, about what this is, you know, three years ago, leading up to this in December and January, not on a weekly basis, but on a semi-regular basis about what was going on in this, uh, China and could it come here. And obviously you've come on, you know, almost weekly during that entire time. Mike, when you look back at the last three years, what is the best thing that we did in reaction to COVID? And in hindsight, what's the biggest mistake we made in reaction to COVID? Talking about um, society, our country, and, and how yeah. we arrived at these decisions. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, obviously this is a laundry list. It would take a long time, but let me try to hit yeah. the highlights. There is no doubt about it that the current vaccines have saved millions of lives. 
that was done under the Trump administration, uh, you know, in a, a, a really remarkable effort that was done to get those vaccines and to get them into people's arms. And so from that standpoint, I give the administration and I give, you know, the public health world great credit. Now, these vaccines are really good, but they're not great. We need better vaccines. And as you know, our center just put out a major roadmap, a way to get to better coronavirus vaccines a couple of weeks ago with very measurable outcomes, Mm -hmm. when, where, and how we got to do it. So we still have a lot of work to do, but those vaccines were incredible. The second thing I think that you asked about was what are things we failed on? You know, it took us a long time to really understand what was happening. And in fact, ironically, it's three years ago, this very moment, as we speak right now, three years ago, I was on the Joe Rogan podcast on March 10th of 2020 at one o'clock in the afternoon central time. And I said at that time, I thought we could easily have upwards of 800,000 deaths in the next 18 months in the United States. And that was categorically rejected with a lot of anger by not just politicians, but even my own colleagues. We just could not understand what was about to hit us. And if you go back and look, 18 months after that date, we hit 800,000 deaths in this country. And so I think that part of the challenge was is helping people understand this was coming. This wasn't going to be a one, one month or a six month or a one year or two year situation. This was going to take us three years. And I think that should be a lesson learned. So how we plan and prepare for the future anticipate what could this do to our economy? What could this do to our healthcare system? What could this do to our everyday lives, to schooling, to, you know, to everything we do? We have to understand this is what pandemics do. People often forget that in 1918 with the influenza pandemic, then they talk about 1918. Some of the worst days of the pandemic were in 1919 and 1920. And so this is a function of, I think, not understanding that this is, this is like a blizzard that lasts for two months, okay? This isn't like just one and out. And I think that, that's a lesson we should have learned, didn't learn, and I don't think we've learned it yet. I think we almost want to have amnesia and forget that this is what we've been through. Last point, I'll let you go. For the critics who will say individuals like yourself and others who study this and point it out, how valid vaccines were, and acknowledge how important vaccines have been, but feel like that natural immunity itself wasn't given as much credit as it should have been. What do you say to those folks? Well, I'm not sure what it means to give it more credit or not. As you know, also, I've said all along, whether you develop immunity from a vaccine or from the infection itself, that's still immunity. The question is, how good is it? And, you know, I'll say right now, I have a number of friends and colleagues who are on their fourth illness, all from, quote, unquote, natural immunity related exposures. Okay, meaning that they had never been vaccinated um, and they still continue to get it. We know that both from vaccine and from previous infection gives you some protection for a period of time, maybe several months against likely getting ill or severely ill. If you have what we call hybrid immunity, where you have both infection-related immunity and also the vaccine, that's even better for a while. But remember, every time you get one infection, to get that immunity, you pay a price. People die. 
Today, we're sitting here talking 412 new deaths today in the United States from COVID. Just to put that into perspective, that's a lot lower than 3,300 we saw during the height of the Omicron wave. But remember, the number one cause of death in this country today from cancer is lung cancer. And that average is 350 deaths a day. And here we are sitting here in the 400s. We've been in 400, 500 now, literally, since last March. That's not acceptable. And so vaccines can play a key role there. And we know that. We have the data to support that you don't have to get infected to get immunity, to be protected. You can get it with a vaccine and not risk yourself from getting infected. And so, you know, I'm going to still propose that's the way to go, you know, and that's what I want. I, you know, I, um, both Vern and I are, you know, free of uh, having had COVID. I hope that continues. We're fully vaccinated, and uh, that's what I hope others do too. Always appreciate your time, sir. Thanks for the insight. Thank we'll you uh, talk very soon. much. Thanks a lot. Dr. Michael Osterholm, right here on News Talk 830. WCCO, guess what? This will shock people. A lot of people reacting. If you want to react, you certainly can. That's why we have the Cities One Talk and text line set up. 651-461-9226. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.